Hi, uh, welcome to MovieBots. I'm Arnie Joe, and this is Dane. This is Dane. Yes, that is definitely Dane. Um, this is a movie podcast where we do a bunch of math to determine the best and worst of a certain topic. Those topics include franchises, actors, directors, studios, anything really film-related. Um, what I do is I, uh, when that topic is picked, I... Uh, put all the all the movies in that category into a spreadsheet and I um do uh, mathematically uh, do an equation which includes Rotten Tomatoes audience and critic score, IMDB Metacritic, the box office, the budget, bingo bango bongo, Bob's your uncle, we have the best and the worst. Um what uh what movies did we watch this week and what was our topic? Uh, our topic was one of the specific ones, which is Nick Cage leading roles in 2018. And I realized eventually that the reason you picked that is so that we could talk about Mandy. Uh, or maybe you wanted to talk about 211. No, no, it was, it was definitely Mandy. It was definitely Mandy. (laughs) Yeah. So needless to say, the best was Mandy and the worst was this, um, piece of shit called 211 which um yeah we we were chatting a little bit we sort of called it like uh like not even an anti-film just like not a movie it's like it feels like it's not a real movie yeah it just nothing in it felt authentic in any way you know um when it comes to the math um uh, Mandy was strongly received by critics. It had a polarizing opinion with audiences. So it, it's either a film that people really loved or really hated, and I can totally understand why. But with two one, oh, and it didn't make money, but the critical response really made up for it, seeing as all the other movies that he was in that year were dog shit, except for Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, but I don't count that because it's a. Uh, you know, far more of a supporting role. So that wasn't really counted towards the the topic this week. Um, 211 has, I think, 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, fucking, it, like, they, they hide the box office information. It's one of those movies that they won't even tell you how much money it made because it's so fucking sad. Uh, Metacritic scores, like, 21. All over the shop, this movie fucking reeks of shit. Um... Mm. Yeah, like I like I can't I could not find a po- like actually I did find a positive review for the review segment, but you know, like that doesn't really count. Um so yeah, uh do you mind uh telling the audiences a bit about the movies we watched this week? Yeah, so Mandy is like a um it's sort of like a throwback to Grindhouse movies in a way, but um it adds a little more very psychedelic. Um, it's set in 1982 or four, something like that. And um, Nick Cage and his girlfriend Mandy um, are madly in love and they live in like the forest or some shit. They have like a nice little quiet life. Um, but then one day Mandy is kidnapped by this uh, cult very safe to say it's a Manson inspired cult and, um, and killed. And so then Nicholas Cage goes on a 
r- rampage of revenge. Um, 211 is about <laughs> these mercenaries who want their damn money, want their damn million dollars back. <laughs> and uh, the the guy that owes them the money tells them that he transferred the money into several different banks. One of the banks being this bank in a fictional town that they, the fictional to the movie, they made it up. Um, and so they go to rob this bank to get their money. Uh, we'll get into why that is retarded. And uh, Nick Cage plays a, a, a bloody good, honest cop. He's a good, honest cop and he's retiring soon. And uh, him and he and his partner is like the his daughter's husband. So that's like his son-in-law. <laughs> and uh, and at the same time, they're taking some uh, black kid. The only reason I mention he's black is that uh, it seems like the film really wants you to notice that. Um, and uh, he he goes he goes for a ride along with them, but then they get stuck in a shootout between these guys who are robbing the bank. And it, um, that's the whole movie. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, you were kind of correct uh, when you assumed that the reason I picked 2018 was because of Mandy in a way. The reason I picked 2018 was because it was a year where I noticed that it was, it had one of his, like a, like a, like a film in it that's worth talking about. If you know what I mean? Like, in the last yep. few years, um, his output has been so ridiculously over the top because that motherfucker owes so much money to the fucking, uh, was it the tax man or something, like property taxes he didn't pay. So he's just in so much garbage. But every now and th- like his, but I-, I would say 10 years ago, um, he would have a couple um, of movies that were interesting or at least good shit. Um, but these days it's like, he's, he has like one good movie every three years. Like it's so, his output Mm. is so far gone the other way. It's, I had to pick one where it wasn't just going to be me depressed talking about two straight to video movies. So yeah. And we can then, yeah. Then talk, talk about Nick Cage and yeah, cause he's, um, he is an interesting character and um, how he works as an actor has always fascinated me. Yeah, like it seems it, it seems if he's invested enough, even in some of the most dog shit films alive, he's still Nick Cage. Like he's still yes. doing something. I can't necessarily say that's the case for 211, but in that steaming pile of absolute garbage, he still is the best part of it. Um, but that's like, I don't know, clapping at someone for coming fifth in a race. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a pretty, it's pretty low praise when compared to two one one. But, um, yeah. What did you, what did you think about these two films? Um, what's pretty funny in that they, my criticisms for them kind of mirror each other exactly in that, um, I liked everything about Mandy except for the runtime. Sure. And and I hated everything about 211 except for the runtime. It clocks in at 87 minutes. Right. 
Yeah. So, um, Cosmos, uh, what's his name? Panos Cosmatos, the director of this, has Mm. made two feature films. And I think he belongs in a category of, like, slow cinema. Like, he he on purpose makes movies that are a bit more hypnotic. Like, it's not about Mm. um, fast pace. It's about, like, creating a trance state. And um, so yeah, that's that's prob- that that explains the the runtime, I guess. But um, but yeah, outside yeah. of that, what are your thoughts on Mandy? Well, outside of that, I liked everything else. Uh, some of the jokes, I didn't really appreciate the the humor. Right, it felt out of it. It felt out of place and alien, not in a good way though. It sort of felt like. Um, like when he gets his shirt ripped by the demon and then he's like, that was my favorite shirt. That felt very lame. And like, that was a joke that I didn't really like. Yeah. That sort of felt like, uh, yeah, that was a very lame joke. I didn't like that. So a lot of the humor I didn't like, but there's a lot that I absolutely love. Um, especially like I realized I was watching someone, uh, like I was watching a film made by someone who has like a very creative spirit when um, like a, a very early on in the film when um, Red and Mandy are in their house. Um, he does this really cool thing where they're just lying in bed together and then Mandy starts talking about um, some books she read and she's reading about space and stuff and she's just talking to red who you can assume is a fairly like down to earth, simple kind of guy. Yeah. He's a tree lopper, um, isn't he? Yeah. Cause it's established at the beginning. He's a tree lopper. And, uh, and, and then you, so he, when, and then when he talks to her about these things, he doesn't really engage in a conversation. He just seems mesmerized by her knowledge and like her intellect and um, the way that's demonstrated is through this um, this shifting lighting effect that surrounds Mandy like an aura. And with this lighting effect combined with Nick Cage just, you know, giving a, a pretty good performance of just like looking at her in awe, um, it tells you everything that you need to know about how Red feels about Mandy and then therefore sets up the stakes perfectly for when she dies. You understand that with this effect, uh, he's deeply in love with her and views her almost as like, like a goddess type figure. Mm. Um, I thought that was really innovative and, uh, I thought it was a genius because it, it does so much with so, so little. And there's a lot of things like that throughout the film. But then there's also a lot of let's just linger on this shot for like way too long. Interesting. <laughs> that that was the thing that by the time I'd finished the film, I was like, I don't I loved everything about that except for the runtime, and therefore I don't ever want to watch this again because it's because it can be frustratingly boring. Interesting. I, I never found the film boring at all. Like I, I I found it hypnotic. Like it's it's there was no point like for me boring is like you know run of the mill 
cliche-ridden crap or like something that seems pointless. But like I'm looking at a beautiful image and it's it's not giving me text, but it's making me feel something. So like I at no point was bored during the film. Like it mm-hmm. was so visually um, uh, encapsulating to me that, yeah, no, I, 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 it's the last thing from boring for me. Um, yeah, it's just things like when when they're bringing Mandy's body out to burn. I mean it. Well, I mean it like literally, just like lingering on a shot for like twenty to thirty seconds too long. Right. This is done. I think about like fifty times throughout the film. Right. And I'm just. It just. It felt to me like it hadn't gone through the fine cut process yet. Hmm. It's not even like. Uh, you know, like, oh, can you cut out any scene? I wouldn't cut any scenes out of it. I probably wouldn't cut any dialogue out of it. I just wouldn't fucking linger on shots for so long because I've never done acid, so I guess I can't appreciate that. Right. But it's like, and I'm not opposed to films that, like, you know, can be accused of feeling slow. Uh, This, I, I kept thinking of The Master, the P.T. Anderson film while I was watching this because... That's the, um, before watching this, that's the film I've watched most recently. And, uh, it's also about like, um, a cult leader. Um, and so there's a lot of similarities in that, but then tackled completely differently. And that's a film that even PT Anderson, uh, fans accuse of being slow, but that movie, I never felt bored with that. Because a lot of uh, like those lingering shots is either about anticipation of what these characters are going to do next in the in the in the frame, or um, understanding what they're psychologically going through at the moment. Right. And I never felt like that was happening with this. I felt like it was just lingering on the shot because it's like, isn't this a beautiful frame? Isn't isn't this lighting really cool? And I'm not someone who has like extremely keen aesthetics. I sort of see that stuff as just like dressing a piece of the puzzle sort of thing. Yeah. It's like, okay. And now we put the glitter on top and, and that's it, but there needs to be, uh, something deeper happening. And there always is something deeper happening. Um, but then that stuff has faded away. So like, uh, when they're bringing Mandy out to be burned, there's something happening in the scene, you know, and there's a real feeling there, but then I get what's happening. I've processed it. And now I don't have anything else to process except for interesting lighting and cool music. And for me personally, I need more than that, or I'm going to get bored and frustrated, cut away to Nicholas Cage's reaction. I want to see his reaction. No, we're just going to hold on this for a while. It's like, all right, fine. Yeah, it's but. it's interesting. I, I've read a lot of criticism about this movie and uh, just to understand different people's perspectives on it. And it's it's funny that a lot of people share your sentiment, but it does ruin it for them. Like they're, they're unable to see past that, whereas it sounds like it was frustrating you and it was making you bored, but you were still able to appreciate everything else. 
Yeah, I appreciate what he's doing, and I'm I'm willing to admit that that's a fault in me, right? Uh, because uh, anyone who knows me knows that I am not someone who <laughs> is particularly interested in aesthetics. I mean, I usually look like shit because um, I don't really care about clothes and stuff. So when so that's what I mean. It's like it's sort of. Um, it is, it is kind of like a moot point almost for someone like me to be like, uh, well, it's boring because it's just a bunch of like, you know, nice lighting and cool music and frame. But I mean, like, that's obviously what the director wants and is going for. And that those moments are meant for people who appreciate, who can appreciate things like that. Like he clearly does. Would you accuse them? Would you say that the movie is shallow? No. No, definitely not shallow. Okay. I think it dips in I think it dips into um what you can accuse of being shallow territory. I mean like it sort of is um uh like like trashy grindhouse material, but it's given um it's 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 given a very um sentimental treatment. Sure. It's like it's like uh, if you took a grindhouse film and you had like um you know a really really artistic sensitive guy direct it. Right. I um I, I find it interesting reading again the reviews for this film are, I find incredibly fascinating and I found that a lot of people like this is a very enjoyable movie for me and it has a lot of elements that I like yeah like you said the aesthetics like it looks really good um. But at the end of the day, and this is where, like, I'm a bit conflicted because I don't know what the director's intention was. But at the at, when I finished it, this is the second time I've seen it, I was under the impression that it wasn't meant to be taken too seriously. Like, it was just a really well-made B-movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I could see a lot of people call, like, the, the horror fans and the Grindhouse fans calling this pretentious. You know, because it, it does seem to teeter on the edge of philosophy and all these things. But at the same time, it, I, I also feel like it's kind of making fun of that. Like the, the cult leader's a joke. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I think this is a movie that people could easily take too seriously on either end of the spectrum. Like think it's something really profound, but also something that's really pretentious. So I'd I'd really love to know what the, his intention was here because the way the way I enjoy it and the way that I had the best experience with it was was when I kind of took that step back and thought well you know okay so he's clearly a smart fellow he clearly yeah. uh, knows how to build worlds because there, there's some really good world building in here something that's not really present enough in these sort of films um, mm. but at the same time it's also just like a really good on the edge of your seat fucking revenge film you know so i really would love to know what his intention is because if his intention is to say something i don't think he does but i do think he is making a very good enjoyable revenge film with enough there like enough enough world building and enough lore and enough character to really separate it from the herd mm. do you know what i mean like Yeah, I definitely think, um, I don't, yeah, I don't think he was trying to say anything or like 
deliver a specific message yeah. because like you said he he is clearly a smart guy yeah um i mean like jeremiah's um monologue about he's basically his life f- ideology and um is this the one to mandy yeah i love and that scene Jer- yeah jeremiah's understanding of spirituality um the director clearly understands like topics like in infinity and totality and stuff and then has jeremiah deliberately misunderstand it he's not just speaking a bunch of gibberish you're hearing a man who has delved into spirituality and come away with a fundamental misunderstanding of what it means yeah and it's made his ego go all completely whack and um and so therefore you have like a really formidable villain and is scary because of that and i think because the director clearly understands these topics and so I think if he's smart enough to understand that and to write a, a genuinely gripping monologue like that, then he's smart enough to be able to convey his message clearly. Yeah. And I just didn't see one being present there. And if there is one, it would be, don't worry about things like that or else you're going to end up like Jeremiah himself. Yeah. Be like Mandy. Yeah. Cool. Like uh, th- there are um, things that are being touched on and like that. that that's just how any filmmaker worth their salt would act you know like every character has their anchor points and these things and those become in a way themes for the characters but that's just good filmmaking you know like that that isn't stopping this movie from just being a very well made uh i don't want to say like grindhouse film is that a good way of just would you describe this as a grindhouse film kind of yeah. 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 It, it, you know, it is, it is like that. It feels very inspired by those types of movies, mm. but I've never seen those films as being like, uh, bad. Yeah. You know, I mean like you can call them trashy, but as a compliment, you know, definitely. But this is, this is something, this kind of transcends it, but it's still in that ballpark. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I don't know. Like I, I'm just, yeah, I'm worried about the day that I meet someone who took something away from this other than it's just a really enjoyable movie, you know? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, um, I, I mean, the film ends with, like, him uh, squashing, like, Jeremiah's head. Yeah. And that's, like, clearly just fun grindhouse violence. Yeah. You know, that's there's nothing more to, to that really than just like I just think about Tarantino in that interview with that woman where he's like just jumping around in his chair, being like, "Because it's fun, Jan. Because it's fun." Yeah, uh, I I don't know. Like the I think the thing that like I really love this film. It's probably p- pretty clear, but the thing that maybe drags it down for me is the it, it is also quite front loaded with this awe of pretense and stuff like you know the the shot of uh mandy reading the book and the passages and stuff like that i'm just kind of like the those bits make me feel like he might be trying to say something more and then that's what's confused me here like am i is that just him showing what kind of person she is or is that part of the overarching theme or something and that's 
that's where it dipped into dangerous territory for me in the beginning is because I'm just mm. like, you know, like, what am I, what am I setting, what am I meant to be setting myself up for here? And then mm. I just get thrown with a second half of a movie, which is just like ridiculous. Like it's mm. absolutely fucking, the second half of the movie is just fucking ridiculous, but like in the best possible fucking way, you know? Yeah. I mean, I felt like it was, um, you know, like I think that you could definitely delve into it and 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 pick out um, competently um, composed themes, but I think like any real genuine artist, I I would I would doubt that he's gone into the making of the film with the themes of it at the forefront of his mind, but I think they've just sort of naturally risen to the risen to the surface or at least like a a, a clearly there right um, but that's all, but that's hard to avoid just, when you have a character who's reading a passage in a book and that's like part of your film you know what i mean like that's yeah. that seems on purpose that doesn't you're seem say, accidental you know yeah but if you're gonna say anything about it you could say it's like it's like a clash of ideologies right um it were like two sides of the same coin in a way right like how you know, Mandy's uh, clearly quite a spiritual person um, by just like the way she lives, but more specifically when she goes into the forest and finds the the dead baby deer and she like weeps for it um, compared to like Jeremiah who like kills things to feel a sense of power, um, power. Yeah. I think it's probably like two people who are, you know, connected to, um, a spirituality of, of, of the same kind, but are like two completely opposing forces. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So you're, it's kind of just kind of setting that up. Yeah. Cause the, the first third yeah, of the, the movie the film is- feels like a dream that then turns into a nightmare. Right. And it's when Nick Cage is in Mandy's world, it's a dream. And then she dies and he then delves into Jeremiah's world is when it becomes a nightmare. So I think all those things are there, but uh, it's not the point of it, really. I think the point of it is to just be and to an entertaining movie. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, what was your favorite scene or favorite part of the film? Um, the demon shit. So, uh, like, just after he makes the axe, and then he uh, he takes down one of the demons, and then gets captured and taken back to like their lair. When he's going through that little demon house, taking them out, I found that shit like genuinely horrific like in a in a good traditional horror sense right uh like that demon there with the the knife dick and the whole vibe of the place and when um when he goes to like sneak up on that demon and it fucking like catches him like just catches his hand and flips him over onto the table i was like oh no fuck like that was really tense and uh I, I really enjoyed that scene because I, f- I found it. I found it genuinely scary. Yeah, I, I I find I love the the last fifty minutes, like just as a whole. Like mm. it's just, but that that's when it becomes really pulpy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so, I love all of that. But 
on my second viewing, the scene with Mandy and Jeremiah when he's trying to, you know, I guess seduce her. Um, yeah. So indoctrinate. Indoctrinate her, yeah. So he could fuck her. That's what he wants to do, right? He wants to have sex with her. Um, yeah. That, the second time watching it was, like, for me, almost, like, hysterically funny because yeah. he is he is so sure of himself and he is this has worked every single fucking time right and he's mm. spouting in my opinion nonsense you know what i mean like he's drugged up this woman and he's saying pseudo intellectual tripe and he thinks he's king shit and yeah the second time you watch it you know that she just laughs in his fucking face and thinks it's ridiculous um mm. So it's kind of like the, the, that that in self becomes a punchline. Um, but when you know that that's the punchline, it becomes all the more absurd. So, mm. yeah, like I just when he pulls his cock out and he's just like rubbing his nipples. That is so fucking funny. Yeah. And he's just like, he's just like, she's like, is this your song? He's like, yeah, I wrote it. And he's just like, he's just like getting himself ready for this woman to like swoon on him. Yeah, he's getting off on himself. He's getting he's literally getting off on himself. Like it's 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 just like it's it's hilarious. And then and then it's moments like that that make me realize like that make me think that the director knows that these pseudo intellectual elements are are a bit stupid at times too. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. This whole scene, which if you're watching it for the first time, you're thinking like, well, I'm assuming, I don't know if you were, but you were thinking like, oh, like what's he getting at here? Like, you know what he's saying, but it means nothing. But like not knowing the the, the punchline and the payout, it's kind of like, what does what is the director thinking here? Like, what is his angle? And yeah. then when she just laughs at him, it becomes quite clear that you thinking it's stupid is the right way to be, you know? So, yeah, yeah I, I really love that sequence. Um, I really love the use of, again, like world building and mythology. Like it doesn't, you, you say it's like set, what, 1982 or something? Yeah, it's not our planet. Point. Like it's not our world. You know what I mean? Like in no shape, yeah. way, shape or form outside of him chopping trees and those first couple of shots, does anything at all feel like planet Earth? You know, and 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 even at the end, like the end, the final shot, he's driving away, and you can see like a planet really close, and a a fucking what was yeah, it? Yeah, it looks like you're on a different. Planet yeah, just every end. like, and it slowly becomes that as the movie goes on. Like like you said, it's like a nightmare. He's like going into hell. Um, yeah, I think it's I, I like my I really appreciate the level of care put into that. Like he, he knows the world that he's built that I'm sure that there's like things about this world that he knows that we don't. And just the sheer fact that we're in the hands of someone yeah. that cares that much um, makes it all the more immersive, mm. you know? So that, that that's really the thing that I take away from this movie is just like how he transports us, you know? Yeah, I agree because it feels like the the these demon things um don't 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 seem to me like what we know about them to be true is everything that the director knows i think there's probably a mythology there that he understands and has concocted and similar to like um uh nick uh, red's friend 
who um, gives him the crossbow um, is just a character that appears for like five minutes throughout the whole film. But he's a guy who comes with implications of a rich history and like a, an interesting backstory. Yeah. Um, which I think is something that can only be accomplished with like the writer director understanding exactly who this character is that we don't need to be given everything, but if it's present there within, uh, within his knowledge, then it'll just come through. To it'll us translate in a way. Yeah, exactly. Therefore makes the world seem that much more interesting to us, which yeah, I really appreciated. I appreciated a lot about this movie just because, um, it like, it, for the most part it works for me it works really well but even if it didn't i always enjoy uh when when someone's trying to stand out and be different or just like committing to a, a personal vision rather than just trying to be like everyone else or just being derivative accidentally uh it's it's definitely unique, so, which I, I always really appreciate. On the other side of the coin, how then would you describe 211? Yeah, like I said before, like mirror image of Mandy, like completely flipped. It This is the most generic ass fucking like nothing movie. And I watched it two days ago now. And I've seriously been thinking about it more than Mandy because I knew I was going to have to talk about it. And I'm like, I don't know what I can say about this. Like what, what can you say? It's like, it's like, it's, it's like, it's nothing. Yeah. I don't understand what the fuck we're watching. So the, the main thing that was hurting my brain is that there was like in the writing, right? It doesn't seem at all like any characters have any secrets. I know this might sound weird, but like everyone just says exactly what they mean. And it's all, every single line is just exposition or this is how I'm feeling or like every line, there is not a single moment where a character says anything in a interesting way or is subversive in how they speak, which is how human beings speak. We say so much in what we don't say, not in what we yeah. say. Right. And that, that's what makes no, it, good writing a lot of the time for me. And in this, I was just like bamboozled that every time I'm seeing a character, it's just like, well, when your mother died and your father got really sad and he's considering retirement and, Blah blah blah, and I have a baby on the way. It. I'm just like, yeah. The whole movie feels like, um, like an insurance commercial, right? They all, they all, all the ca- all the actors are acting about as well as that, and all the dialogue is as expositional as that. Yeah. Where it's just like, hey, since the tragic event, I've been thinking about this, and you know, your father loves you, right? Yeah, but. He can be a real bastard sometimes. He didn't care yes, when my mum died. Of cancer. She was in the hospital. And then <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. And it's 
Like when characters talk about things that they should, you know, for a fact, they should have already talked about and don't need to tell someone does my fucking yeah. head in. And that whole sequence with his daughter and his son-in-law was, and I swear to God, it went for like 10 minutes. Felt like fucking half an hour. And that, that, that's what I find interesting. You're like complimenting this movie on being brief, but having an issue with Mandy. I had a far harder time sitting through 211 than I did Mandy. Like I, it felt longer to me. You know, like I, I would start, like I'm watching the movie and there's a scene where the bad guys have just decided to rob a bank for some fucking reason, which makes absolutely no fucking sense. And they're just shooting, like the cops are just shooting guns at the fucking, at the bank and the bad guys are just shooting guns. And it's just shots of like people just shooting guns and you have no sense of space. There's no, like when, when a bullet gets shot, you should see where it goes. You should, there should be some form of fucking... Uh, logic in terms of the action. That's what makes a good action movie for me. So when it's just, you just mm-hmm. see shots of Nicolas Cage just firing a handgun and then you just see shots of three cops with fucking automatic weapons, not even hiding behind cover, just shooting guns. Yeah. Like I, I spaced out, like I went somewhere for a while. I don't That's know where it. I went, probably Disneyland, <laughs> but then I came back and it was still happening. Like it was just, it was just the same thing. And I'm like, nothing's yeah. changed. Oh, the big, the big climactic action scene, which is meant to be, um, the shootout between the cops and the, the robbers, uh, is like, yeah, it's like half an hour of the film. It's meant to be this big climactic thing. Uh, and it's just, yeah, it's just, you cut to the robbers, they're firing their guns, cut to Nick Cage, he's shooting his gun and then everyone shoots their guns in their own individual frames. And then um, Nick Cage will yell and be like, it's going to be okay. We're going to get you through this. But I'll tell you how I got through this film um, unscathed. I decided to watch it from the perspective of the target audience, which I decided is... 50-year-old men whose teenagers always call him a boomer and he doesn't know what that means. And when he was a teenager, he used to just watch uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme action movies and stuff like this and has never gotten past that. So he just... these Because that's what these movies are made for. This is by um, Millennium Pictures. And they specialize in making movies like this for men who um, are too cowardly to join the army or become cops, but who, if you ask them, swear that they um, could knock you out in a single punch and wanted to join the army but couldn't. And, um, you know, they, they respect the troops and they respect the cops and mostly conservative type guys. And uh, that's what this movie is for. And that's why it stars Nick Cage as like a, you know, he's like a 50 year old man because they're meant to embody him, that character. Yeah. So if you watch it like that, um, then it becomes kind of easy because it's just you see them shooting guns and you just go, fuck yeah. The person you described, I cannot at all identify with on any level. (laughs) So I don't know how the fuck you did it. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, it's called, it's called meta screening. Right. I'm just like, I'm getting into character to watch a film so that I can, so that I can enjoy it. And, 
with that in mind, you see- do you enjoy it? Well, no. Not even not even as that guy. Like, even if you're like that guy, you wouldn't like it. But you might be like, oh, yeah, it's all right. You know, it's got some guns in it. Because uh, the one thing that you can come away appreciating if you're really looking for something is that uh, I did, you know, I always do kind of like seeing blanks being used and uh, squibs. Right. Which is cool. They got blood packs, squibs, blanks. You know, I mean, I'm, but you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit old, so I have a hard time dealing with digital blood. Right. So when I see a squib, I'm like, hey, uh, there we go. Cool. Squib. My, cool. my, my biggest takeaway from this movie was like, so Nicolas Cage is the best part of it, yet he is not even trying. Like even the scene where he screams feels like a very disingenuous Nicolas Cage oh. scream. That's very bad. I think for the most part, he's fine. He, uh, he looks bored. Well, he he's easily the best actor in the film, which isn't saying much because this is some of the worst acting I've ever seen. Oh. But he comes away mostly unscathed, just seems bored, but is still like doing okay. So, he's like, he's holding the note. Yeah. But that screaming scene where he's meant to lose his shit, Awful. Yeah. And really shows that Nick Cage needs to either be invested in a project or he needs a good director. Agree. Otherwise, he is one of the worst. So, like, he's not even trying. He looks bored and he's walking all over everyone in the film. And what I, like, what was getting me through it was watching everyone in that motherfucking movie try really hard and <laughs> suck. Like th- there was one <laughs> motherfucker in the hospital, um, where the where they go to the the mum of the kid in the ba- in the car, and she's like, "You guys all need to do this," and th- and then they go to a close up of this one guy, and he's like, "I'll call the infusion office," and it's like it's like it. I, I'm just reading that guy's brain, and it's like this is my fucking breakthrough. This is I've made it <laughs> because I get a close up in this fucking movie, and then there's a bit where all the cops are running to grab the automatic weapons. And there's the female cop and she grabs her gun and she stops. And I'm like, you're stopping to have a close up, you bitch. And then she just runs. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, And it's just like everyone is so fucking bad, but everyone, but they're all really trying so hard. I I felt bad for the actor who plays the son-in-law. Yeah. There's a moment in the film where he's been shot and- um, he has to, uh, del- and he gets the kid to film him so that he can um, record a message to his wife who is pregnant. So he's recording a message to his kid in the future. And he's like all sweaty and crying. And yeah, you can just tell that he's like, all right, here we go. This is my, this is my big scene. This is going to be like the real... And my independent spirit award scene. Yeah. And it is oh, it's fucking so cringe. It, that was so hard to watch. I thought that was like fucking like looking through my fingers bad. And he just kept going with it. Oh, I hated that shit. Yeah. It was again, like the, the enjoyment for me came out of that, those bits. Like I, I actually text you when I watched this, um, for the people who haven't seen this, which, is everyone. I'm sure we're one of like a handful of people who have put their effort into watching this. This has probably the worst acting I've ever seen in it. 
the the opening scene is like a an evil businessman and he's like it starts with like numbers on the screen and it's all like hacker shit you know and the guy that they get to play the evil businessman i like it's actually unfathomable how shit he is like mm-hmm. he couldn't he just looked like he's meant to be scared and he just looked fucking dumb like i don't know how like he looked like he was shitting his pants like yeah but not not scared I'm, shitting I'm, his pants like no i'm pooing my pants because i want to you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i know exactly what you mean that is the face that is the face and like you say this is made this is like a straight to dvd kind of movie right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah like i don't know what audience that is it's it sounds like it's an audience of it's the it's the guy that i described yeah it's the guy that that embodies has to like embody these characters because you look at millennium pictures that's all their movies that like they did um the expendables movie right they do like a bunch of jason statham shit um it's like all that it's like they make movies that are like He's a guy who is the best in the business, but he's about to retire. Uh, and he's a he's a cold stone killer, but he's also got a heart of gold. But nobody really understands him, which is why you have lines in the film like, "How come he's he's bad with his emotions?" And like Nick Cage's kids hate him because the guy who's who this film is marketed towards, his kids definitely hate him, and he's and he's he doesn't, and they're always guys who are divorced, and their kids hate them, right? But and they're 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 violent, but nobody really understands them, you know. They got a heart of gold. They're misunderstood. Yeah, yeah they're, they're misunderstood. Like what? What? This movie may be one of the most depressing movies I've ever seen. Because I remember when I was growing up, Nicolas Cage was in some, like, the bad movies he was in were actual still movies. You know yeah, what I like mean? Yeah, like Con Air and shit. Yeah, like Con Air, like even Ghost Rider, right? That's like a, that's a movie. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. has an audience. There's a reason it exists. National Treasure, all this shit. And then I remember, I think it was around 2007 or eight. I think that's maybe when things started to get really fucked for him financially and he started just taking on anything. I remember yeah, those movies were bad, but still movies. Like, that's mm. what was weird. It was like it was an event. Like, you'd, you'd get excited because, oh, there's a shit Nicolas Cage movie coming out. So mm. it was like one or two or three a year and you'd watch a bad movie, but you'd be like laughing or there'd be something there or he'd be trying. Like I remember one, one of the worst movies I've ever fucking seen is a film called Bangkok dangerous that he's in. And that was one of those really shit ones, but there was still like a sense of care. Like, like it seemed like people cared, even though it's awful and, you know, cut 10 years down the line and it's not there's there's not even that anymore. Like there's not even the originality or just even this spark of effort. Yeah, he's at that he's at that point in his career now that uh like that Val Kilmer point where these guys who you know you think that 
have are maybe dead or maybe they retired how come i haven't seen him in a while uh turns out they do like five movies a year and they're all called like cop la or some yeah. shit and it's just yeah it's films like this they have a budget of two million dollars uh to you know four hundred thousand of that goes to their paycheck and um they they, they only have to be on screen for like half an hour and the, you know, the producers promise them that they won't have to do anything too physical. Right. And, uh, yeah, they do like five of these a year and it allows them to, um, pay their, <laughs> pay their debts or, or, or maintain a particular lifestyle that they've grown accustomed to since they were on, on top of the world in the early nineties. And the people who watch these films are like, yeah, just like due to never stopped just only watching action movies. And I think that's why, um, that they have blanks and squibs and like sets and locations with extras in the background, because it's for guys who watched movies at a time when that's how things were done. Right. And if they start putting in like green screen and uh, digital blood and stuff, then that'll break the spell that they're, they're trying to put over them. And they'll be like, what is this? What is this shit? This isn't how movies are done. See, I don't see the payoff. I don't see the trade-off being worth it because this movie looks like dog shit. Like it looks like it's shot on a DSLR. Like it like the like the lighting is some of the worst lighting I've ever seen. <laughs> it does. It looks like DSLR with like the lens that comes. The, the yeah, the kit lens. lens. That comes the, with the, it. Everything <laughs> looks ungraded. Like it looks like flat raw footage. They didn't grade yeah. the footage and everything is just so high key. And I'm like, for a fucking thriller action movie, wouldn't you want a bit of contrast in this? Just something because that does hide the, you know, the flaws sometimes. You just, you make it a bit darker and put a bit of style on it. It makes it far more easily digestible. But this movie, like, yeah, they blow up cars and they might have a fucking squib or something, but holy fucking shit. What the fuck? It looks like, I I don't want to say AIDS, but fuck, you know? It doesn't even make sense. Like the, the whole point of the robbery, right? Yeah. This was my favorite part of the movie. I just, I kept thinking about it and laughing about it as I was watching it. The whole point of the movie is that these mercenaries are owed a million dollars. That's what they say. They're like, you owe us a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the bad guy's like, I've transferred the money into several banks around the world. Uh, these are the banks. And then they're like, this is their line. They're, he's The guy's like, I can, I can figure out a wire transfer and I can get you that money. And he's like, no, thanks. We'll do things our way. And he's like, what way is that? And then he goes, the hard way and then shoots the guy and they walk off. And then the next thing they go to this fictional city to rob this bank. Now I would think that everyone knows this, but apparently like not, uh, that's not how money works. No, not at all. Especially not in this day and age where it's like, I've transferred your money in this bank. And so they're like, well, we need to go and rob this bank because they have our money. If you're going to rob a bank, just rob any bank. It's not even specifically your money. If it was like a bunch of like jewels or something that's like 
specific like to corporeal, them, like something specific, that you can touch. Yeah, they're like specific items, but no, it's just it's just money. So they go to this bank to get their money because they got told that their money was transferred into that bank. Rob any bank. It's not even your money anymore. Like like it's some it's some ridiculous figure like 97% of the world's currency is digital. Like if you gathered up all the cash in the world, it's something like makes up like 3% of the currency circulating. Yeah. So even if that wasn't the case and it was all cash, that still wouldn't be the specific physical cash in that bank that you think is yours. And even if it was, what fucking difference does it make? Go rob any bank. Why are you robbing a bank in a major city that's like heavily? It's the dumbest plan. Makes absolutely Ever. no sense. And they're meant to be like one of the best tactical squads in the world, right? That's what... Yeah, we're like the, they're the best in the business. You got to really watch out for these guys. Yeah, like <laughs> they're meant to be a threat, but they don't just don't understand how fucking economics works at all. Um, <laughs> what, yeah, like it's the, the way they treat it is like when the money's transferred, a, a fucking truck pulls up to the bank and goes, here's the million dollars that were transferred. You know, yeah, like yeah. they, that, you know, here's the money from the shady businessman. Don't get robbed. No, <laughs> it's not how money works at all. But oh, um, also, I'm I, I have to mention how insulted I was by the attempts, the attempt. I'm going to say attempt here to talk about racism. Oh yeah, and that's... bullying, and the 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 like. Can this movie just not have the fucking decency not to even try that bullshit? Like, you're already targeting like your, your demo- like if if your demographic is these people that you described, Dane, they're fucking racist, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. So why because I was, why have that? Anytime, because thinking as that guy, because it satisfies them, like the audience. So like, they've got um. A, a black kid in it who's along for the ride along and a thing that Nicolas Cage as the cop keeps complaining about he's like it's so tough being a cop these days everyone's got a phone in your face and it's all out of context so they don't they just don't understand and so the kid who's along for the ride along keeps filming them and he's like oh my mom told me to to make sure I'm always filming and then Nick Cage is like well you shouldn't be filming me all the time it's not fair it's not nice (laughs) or whatever but then the ultimate lesson that this kid learns is uh cops are misunderstood and you shouldn't be filming them all the time holy shit he faces several consequences for filming them constantly is that his phone battery runs out when he really needs it uh in the in during the crisis it's propaganda and holy fuck yeah yeah, definitely. And then it almost runs out as he's like filming the dying cop, giving like his dying message to his unborn baby. And so he's really learning a lesson there. He was wrong about cops the whole time. And then right at the end of the film, Nick Cage is like, for some reason, the kid is at Nick Cage's house, like they're friends now or whatever. And um, he, he, he bonds with his daughter and the baby's been born. And he's like, hey, kid. You still got that phone you're always filming stuff with? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, 
come on, let's take a picture. <laughs> uh, yeah. And if you, like the guy who's who this movie is made for would be like, yeah, see, cops aren't blue racist. lives matter. You, yeah, blue lives matter. You guys are wrong. See, I thought <laughs> you shouldn't be filming cops all the time. Yeah, but then you have like the the weird inclusion of like racism as a as a theme as well, like with the scene with the his mother and the principal and it just feels shoehorned in and like really contrived. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's I, I like, I understand where you're coming from with the no filming thing, but it just still mind like blows my mind why they needed to get there that way. Why? So to it's appeal- not trying to say that racism is bad. It's trying to say that racism doesn't exist. Jesus fucking Christ. Because that's what guys like this believe. Yeah. That it's like, they're not, they're not like the target audience for this. Like this particular man watching this movie is not inherently racist. They're like, um, by the wayside racist because they don't, they don't want to, deal with it. So they always like, you know, mentally take the cop side and stuff like that. And they don't believe institutional racism is a thing. They're like passive observers sort of thing. Yeah. Mainly just because they don't want to believe because then it's a problem that you got to deal with and, and cause they feel connected to that stuff as well. So therefore they're racist by, by proxy. And they're like, no, I'm not leave me alone. And because they, they see themselves embodied in the police because they believe all that shit like this, this propaganda like this, which is just like, yeah, these guys are like strong heroes like me. You put gonna way live- too much, you not way too much. You put way more thought into this film than I did. And I'm greatly appreciating it because there's something fucking to talk about here. Now I was just about to just rip the fucking shit out of every single aspect but well, I mean, that's all, that's all it is, but that's like a lot of what these movies are. Yeah. I think like, um, you know, I sent you that message saying like, this is just trying to be Patriots. Day. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, but like, a sh- like an even shittier version of that, which is for anyone who hasn't seen Patriots day, if you ever want to see some real, like, like a grade American propaganda. That movie is amazing. I avoided watching it for that simple reason. Any, any movie with like Mark Wahlberg that he's playing like a renegade or something. I'm just like, no soldier or something. Yeah. I'm just not, it's propaganda. And I'm like, nah, I'm not, I'm not into that shit at all. And I saw the trailer and it seemed very emotionally manipulative and I'm like, nah, yeah, it definitely is. And you know what? Um, Patriot's Day has all the same things going on in it that this one does, uh, except it's, if you watch Patriot's Day, you would not miss it at all. Um, it just is a testament to how shit this film is that it couldn't even get its bullshit, like propaganda messaging right, right. that you were like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, now I see it. Like, <laughs> it's... It can't even like successfully be that shit. No, it's just the most like, how do you, oh, this is the problem again. Like this film is like 
nothing. No one cared except for all the actors who thought because Nick Cage was in the movie, it was going to be their big Yeah, but if anyone pays attention to his career the last 10 years, they'd know that he's there for the money. He did it. Yeah, but do you think that this film is a particular step down even for him? Well, the thing is, I've kind of stopped watching his movies of late, like- because I, I got depressed, you know, like I stopped. I don't just, every time there's a new Nicolas Cage movie, I don't watch them anymore. Like I can tell you mm. in the last, I'll, I'll have a look now. In the last 10 years, I've seen um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And there's like 50 of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny to look at his filmography because, um, over the last 10 years, um, each year he adds another film to his, to his lineup until like this year that we're doing now, 2017, I think he did, uh, 2018. I think he did like seven movies. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight films. Yeah. Now he's, he's at that point in his career where he's, uh, his paycheck has gotten so low that he has to like, you know, pump out like nine of these a year now. I think, I think the last two years he's done something like yeah, that. Yeah. So like in 2011, he did four, 2012, he did three, 2013, he did three, 2014, he did three, 15, three, 16, five, 17, five, and then yeah, 18 fucking eight or whatever. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> My God. Um, like, uh, and it sucks too because he's so good. Like he's still got well, it. He's unique. Mandy's 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 proof of that. And just want to quickly add there because uh, I didn't say it before. A uh, perfect casting yep. for Nick Cage in this role. Perfect. Yeah. You could not find a better guy for this particular role. It's like I I was pleasantly surprised by because everyone knows him for his lunacy and his hammy acting. But they're like, particularly at the beginning, he's quite, he really taps into that withheld thing that I haven't seen in a while. Like, he seems like a very quiet guy that snaps. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's the kind of guy that you'd, you know, you'd see at the pub every day and eventually you have a chat with him and he, you know, he probably just likes his football and, you know, and and loves his girlfriend. Because. He's now really known for his like psycho roles that people forget he's really good at playing these um lucid type characters. Yeah. I mean like just like adaptation, such a good example of like how uh how quiet and withdrawn he can be in his performance. Mm. Um Yeah, he's like the best at that. He would be the ideal guy to play like uh like Walter in Breaking Bad or you know he's like would be perfect for a role like that because he can be like really quiet and subdued but then go absolutely bonkers I which hope- is what happens in this film he's so quiet and and sweet at the beginning and then at the end it's perfectly captured in that shot when um <laughs> he has a flashback to seeing Mandy in the bar and he just looks so um quietly pleased when he sees her yeah and then it jump cuts back to the present moment and he just is covered in blood and has this big psycho (laughs) (laughs) i really hope he sorts his shit out do you know what i mean like 
Mandy yeah. is a grindhouse movie. It's not, you know, a movie that anyone's really going to see unless you look for it, right? You know, the mm. another movie you did recently, Color Out of Space. Did you hear about that one? It's no. the um, it's the comeback movie of Richard Stanley. Do you remember no. Richard Stanley? You were telling me about uh, he's the gentleman that did um, uh, he was going to do Island of Doctor Monroe and then got fired. Oh, yeah. Okay. So apparently it's quite good, but again, another B grade sort of film. I really hope that he's able to, or someone gives him the opportunity to make a more substantial film again because. He's got it in him. He really fucking does. I think you'll probably see it come along in younger directors who, like, there's a good generation of um, young directors coming through now who um, are very creative. And he's someone who is really appreciated amongst our generation. So I think that's why he's, you know, in things like Mandy. And uh I suspect that if we're going to see a comeback from him in any form, it'll be being in a lot of films like that. Yep. Well, you look at, you look at, um, what was it? Pulp Fiction saved John Travolta's career. Like he had a decade or, or so of just being like in films like Nicolas Cage, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, um, you have fucking Birdman with Michael Keaton. You know what I mean? Like these things, th- yeah. these things can happen. And, Hopefully, he gets to a point where he can accept, like, comfortably accept a movie for no money. Like, who was it? Um, uh, Bill Murray accepted a role, the role in Rushmore for almost next to no money, just because he wanted he you know he wanted to work with Wes Anderson, and then from that he's kind of made a little niche for himself of being like the funny guy, but also being able mm. to do these more dramatic films you know yeah or he might do a keanu reeves and make a big comeback as an action star i hope not i don't want that not as an action star but make a big comeback so that he's super famous and loved again but is but still does like five or six shit films a year right (laughs) for some reason keanu reeves just still acts in all these movies as if his career is struggling. It's like, you're back, dude. You don't have to be doing like six VODs a year anymore. That's uh, the same as, to a lesser extent, uh, you know how like Matthew McConaughey had a comeback? Mm. He's back to just doing crap now, you know? Yeah. But it's like pretentious crap. It's It's not his romantic comedies. He's just in movies that I think he thinks are smart, but aren't. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we've kind of got a bit off topic. Do you think, I think we should read these, some of these reviews. Yeah. Let's fucking, I'm keen to read a good review for two eleven. Um, okay. We'll start with, um, positive for Mandy. So this is 10 out of 10 by Lino Matthew grindhouse perfection. From 2018. Ugh. It's like seven exclamation marks. I'm not going to like this guy. We saw this movie at the 2018 Sundance Film Festival. Twice. Yeah, we walked out of our first screening, drove straight to the box office, and bought tickets for the next screening. There is nothing like being in an audience watching Mandy. This is the midnight movie. 
I wouldn't hesitate to say it is on the level of Rocky Horror Picture Show as far as potential cult status. From 15-minute psychedelic trips filmed with a second lag and a pinkish filter to two unspeakably amazing weapons. What was the second one? The crossbow and the and the axe. Oh, the crossbow? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't think the crossbow was cool. Um, I just The crossbow is unspeakably amazing. Settle down. Uh, there is nothing on its level. Cosmatos. Is that how you pronounce his name? Cosmatos? I don't know. Uh, direction and the cinematography are better than 95% of studio movies nowadays. This is what watching movies is all about. And let's just say every single cast member is pitch perfect. Agree. Creating the infernal hell that the movie is. God willing, this movie will get the distribution it deserves so we can see it once a year at midnight in our favorite art house cinemas. It didn't. Instant... <laughs> Instantly nostalgic. That's not what nostalgia means. Yeah, that's a that's a paradox there. That's an oxymoron. Uh, okay. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Settle settle down there. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, here we go. By her hole. <laughs> Trash from the beginning to dot dot dot. Probably the end. Probably? Well, I left the film about 30 minutes before the end because I couldn't stand it anymore. Now there is not much to review about the film because nothing spectacular happens. But those who want to invest money to view the film, e.g. in a cinema later on DVD, please be advised that the critics, the reviews and the ratings are all ironic or a meme. The worst actor alive is of course still the worst. <laughs> From camera work to the dialogues. From action scenes to settings, everything is extremely trashy and simple. I must admit, I can't tell if this is on purpose or not, but in the end it doesn't matter. It's not funny. There are some jokes, but they are extremely lame. It's not gore. It's not cult. And everyone that was with me in the cinema has the same opinion on that. Now, for some reason, there is a kind of dynamics where people who probably even haven't seen the movie review it enthusiastically. What the fuck are you talking the only about? Yeah, the, How do you know I that? I think they just really hated the movie and then they're, now they're pissed off that other pe- that it's like very oh, popular. Oh, so they're trumping it, are they? They're chucking a trump. Yes. Yeah. So they're being like, well, those people are all lying, obviously, or they're crazy. The only reason for that might be that in a long list of Cage's bad movies, this is this one is an all-time low, and people are impressed by the fact that he was able to go lower than anything seen so far. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know what I think. What I think uh, the same problem I had, this person had, which is where I was frustrated by the lingering shots. Uh, they were frustrated as well and it ruined the whole movie for them. And they were like, no, this is a bad movie. And then they see that other people like it. And so they're like, oh, they must all be doing memes. Yeah. Because I can't be wrong. Yeah, I don't like this person. And also they don't want to admit that it's just because it's like, they got frustrated. Yeah. I can admit that. I got frustrated. It's too slow for me. Come on. Okay, so this is Benny Chen is here. A 10 out of 10 review for fucking 211. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
the best movie of the year with a strong message. Oh, this might be the guy I was talking about. There are a lot of Hollywood movies with incredible acting and visual effect out there, but with a really good message? Very rare. This movie is very good. The best, if I can say, for the year. Not even Avengers with a big question message. This movie is absolutely easily defeated. I am sorry. This movie is for adult. The kids who just seek for awesome violent and awesome effects will surely rate this below five. After all, the effects and action of this movie is not that bad. Nice to watch. I will put 100 star if I can. (laughs) This is a jewel in the garbage trash can of Hollywood movies. (laughs) So I'm not going to say anything or make fun of this person because they clearly didn't even get their grade eight. So we'll leave it at that. You know? (laughs) Fucking hell. Who is that? Who? What? I don't even think that's the person you were describing. I just think that was someone that was really, that's been touched. You know what I mean? (laughs) Benny Chan. Yeah, fuck. Poor Benny Chan. Good good for you, Benny Chan. Yeah, glad you liked it. Hope quarantine's going well. Uh, So this is a one-star review for 211. Uh, Terrible and Cheesy, Stay Away by Jay Wheeler, 14009. So, so, so many things wrong with this movie. From the first scene, transferring money, there is so much cheesiness. I seriously asked myself, who the hell picked these actors? The actors are completely terrible. Please don't ever cast them again. One of them is Nicolas Cage's son, by the way. Oh, which one's that? One of the commandos. I don't know, but one of them is. Oh, really? (laughs) Oh, that sucks. The script is corny and the lines made me facepalm. There are also so many things wrong factually with the movie. So many missteps by production, like details they failed to overlook completely. They failed to overlook? I think you mean that they overlooked. To make scenes seem obviously fake. I'm not even going to go into that. Yeah, no. Sure, there's plenty of action, but when someone is on a laptop doing a money transfer, they're not going to be rapping on the keys like they're typing up their final thesis for a master's degree. And when a computer process bar is finished, it should vanish, not restart. And if it restarts and the actors say the transfer is complete, you shouldn't show the screen at the same moment. Oh my God. Going to a gun store to inquire about hard to come by weapons that a rogue spec ops team might be acquiring and asking about AR-15s is kind of wrong. AR-15s are civilian rifles, not special ops guns only paramilitary would illegally acquire to rob a bank. This made me laugh. Oh, God, this guy sucks. Yeah, this guy's worse than Benny Chan. Yeah. My next point takes me back to the actors. If you're going to portray highly trained rogue special forces, at least do some training for your actors and make sure they get it right. Like when they are loading up before the bank robbery and they're grabbing all their guns, you wouldn't pick up your pistol, rack the slide, then load the magazine and rack it again and holster it. Same with the rifles. Guy picks up his rifle, racks the charging handle like five Okay, this guy likes guns. Putting, putting his 100 round double drum magazine in it just doesn't happen that way. It has to be believable. Oh. Hey, hey, Dane, I think your hypothesis of um, the certain kind of people that like this movie might be wrong. Because 
this guy sounds like that guy. No, the guy I'm talking about is an in-between of Benny Chen and this guy. Right. Like a bit smarter than Benny Chen, and that, but but not as knowledgeable about guns like this. Right. Guy. Okay. Interesting. Because this 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 guy clearly like buys into these movies. I bet he's seen Millennium Pictures entire. This guy. Catalog. This guy owns an assault rifle. Oh yeah, for sure. He's got heaps of guns. Yeah. I don't even know what he's talking about. Yeah, no. Nah, Rack the charging hand. Yeah, I don't know what, what? he's saying. He could have fucking nerd. Yeah. Who cares? Fuck yeah, fuck. Um, I don't. Nah, we're almost. We're, we're almost done. I want to see where oh, he fuck, goes. Oh fuck! You with still got. Oh Jesus Christ! Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I honestly feel like I wasted sixty minutes of my time watching this, and I say sixty minutes because that's when I just turned it off. When the video message got recorded, that was the last straw of the cheesy, horrible acting I could take. Couldn't even make it through the entire film. Whoever directed this needs to never direct another movie again. And Nicolas Cage, you should know better. You're better than this. Well, you could just look up who directed the film. You're already currently on the fucking website where it's listed. Uh, hey, Dane, asshole. we host a podcast and we didn't even bother mentioning who the fucking directed it. So, uh, I I know that he was. I know that he uh, is a former snowboarder. Oh, okay, fun. Is that <laughs> it? Is he fucking done? Yeah, we're done. Um, I'd just like to drop a bit of trivia about 211 because I, I, I think it's funny. I went on the trivia for IMDb for the movie and there's like six entries and four of the six entries are just, Nicolas Cage didn't like this movie. And <laughs> and uh, another one was, which I find funny in the context of the ending of the movie, he broke his foot while filming it. So I think that's why at the end of the movie, he he gets shot in the leg. So that they can have him <laughs> laying on the ground and sitting in the ambulance with his foot up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I find That's that kind awesome. of funny. So, uh, what are your final fart ratings and opinions of both Mandy and 211? Uh, definitely check out Mandy, no matter who you are. It might be frustrating uh, because, like, the shots do linger, but. Um, if you are someone who really digs your aesthetics, then you will love the shit out of this movie because it's gorgeous. Um, but you might find it a bit boring, but it's a, it's a, it's a pretty original movie. I mean, it's, you know, it's got clear inspirations, but it's, um, very unique and something to be treasured in this extremely dull derivative culture that we live in. I give it eight farts out of 10 and mm, the other th- shit what the fuck oh 211 <laughs> i forgot what it was called uh 211 uh one big smelly fart for that the only redeeming quality is that it can be um a bit funny it's only 87 minutes long and there's a few um funny moments um if you're someone who like me is a bit of a connoisseur of late era Steven Seagal dog shit movies. Um, it's, it's a bit in that category. Right. Um, so if you got like a spare afternoon and you've gone through all your other trash movies and you want a new one, this, this, this has some pretty, um, embarrassingly bad moments in it. And they're, they're quite funny. I laughed a few times. So, right. you know, maybe you'll get some value out of it that way. Fair. Um, Mandy, 8 out of 10 farts. Um, I love the visuals. I love the pacing. 
I, I know I'm, you know, the odd one out here, but yeah, I like the deliberate pacing of it. The score's great. Nicolas Cage is perfectly cast. The world building is fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I literally like everything about it, except for it's just not, um, it is a grindhouse film. It is an exploitation film. And I'm unable to really put that in the same category as some films that have really left an effect on me. Like, it's just a really well-made movie. It hasn't... Uh, it didn't really soak through me to the point where I'm thinking about it constantly. Like, it didn't leave me with anything to think about or anything in that regard. Or there isn't anything that specifically blew me away and went, oh, my God. So, yeah, that that, that to me is 8 out of 10 farts. Um, 211, I was going to give one fart to, but then you made me realize that it's fucking propaganda. So, I'm going to give it negative 3 farts because fuck <laughs> that shit in the in the fucking i don't know i'm not gonna say anything yeah, too it's, rude. Bl- it's 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 blue lives matter propaganda i think it's pretty safe yeah say. so you've pointed that out and it makes quite a lot of sense so yeah th- negative three farts fuck that film anyway uh it's your turn to pick this week dane what are we uh watching next week watching the best and the worst of the mcconaughey how do you say it mcconaughey McConaughey-sons. You're making this up, dude. So, uh, the McConaughey-sons. So, you're talking about the Renaissance era of Matthew McConaughey? Yeah. And that- so, post-McConaughey-sons. Post, post, uh, post yeah. So, Lincoln Lawyer to what now? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay. So, the best and worst of uh, Matthew McConaughey's lead performances in the last fucking 10 years, pretty much. That's easy. Anyway, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.